Hey, before we get started, I just want to let you know about an event that is going down in Marietta, Georgia. It's being run by our good friends, Matthew Martin and the rest of the crew from the Crit Def podcast. Uh, that'll be September 11th at Gigabytes Cafe, again in Marietta, Georgia. It's starting at uh, 9.30 uh, for registration, kickoff at 10. It's a best of three, four-round event with uh, special prizes for the winner and runner-up. Uh, you can find a link to that event in our show notes or uh, do for a search for it in uh, any of the Facebook groups. And you should turn it up. It's the uh, Grand Scrum. All right. Thanks for checking it out. On with the show. Welcome to What the Hex, your source for Warhammer Underworlds and under 30 crab memes. Uh, today, I am your host, Phil. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Davey. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm ready to uh, talk about some water, water fellers. Yeah. Water boys. So. Some magic, magic water fellers. <laughs> yeah. So that's going to be our topic for today. We're talking Elethane Soul Raid. Um, and with us to talk about Elethane Soul Raid is Ruol. Ruol, how are you doing? Um, well, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, excited to be here. It's great. Uh, Nice. Impressive to say, to say the least. Um, so yeah, ready to, to rock. Awesome. Uh, so for those who've maybe seen him palling around in the Discord, he goes by Mendarga, uh, and you're also playing on Team France. Yeah, um, I'm in Team France too for the Nations Cup. Nice. All right. So yeah, gonna get a, some help. To sort of pick through all of the cards and how we think they play, um, but uh, just before we get diving into the meat of this episode, uh, we we will give you some context where we are right now in the release um, cycle, and and we'll do our normal our normal section. So um, the most recent news that we had, as far as I can remember, is that Arena Mortis. Two was announced, sort of a surprise announcement from this past week that, hey, you're getting more Arena Mortis, the thing that probably no one really asked for. Um, <laughs> but new cards is always fun. What did you guys think of that? Uh, I thought it was cool. I, I thought we were just uh, done as far as meta changes uh, until the next season came along. So this will be an interesting midway. It remains to be seen how, how big a shakeup it'll do. Um, and uh, but I know it, even locally, uh, the jazz ensemble uh, that that crew really <laughs> likes uh, really likes uh, the arena mortis. Um, and so I was talking when we wrap up uh, in a couple more weeks, wrap up our local league, uh, we may bust out some arena mortis as just an alternate, get everybody around the same table and uh, check it out. And it's uh, just another one of those alternate ways to play. So um, even if you're not interested in that game type, you know there's uh there's cards and there's a board so uh, yeah yeah have you played it all um i never played with arena mortis because um with the restrictions in france it was quite hard to get to a table uh until mm -hmm. really recently Fair. and now uh, i think it's going to be a pain in the ass again so I'm not <laughs> sure i'll get my hands on like arena mortis uh, for real um I'm quite surprised as well. They um, announced it, and I'm quite uh, cool on it because, uh, like, Arena Mortis had plenty of really cards, and then there were some top cards that made you want to buy it. Um, mm. 
and then the boards were cool as well, but that's something else. Um, and the issue I've got with the cards is that um, Arena Mortis focuses on one fighter, and mm-hmm. um, one reason why uh, Molo was so uh, obnoxious in the starting of uh, Diakasm was because of the release of uh, Arena Mortis. He had like all of the cards that got uh, restricted from the, the Arena Mortis set were in, in the decks that Molo played. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> um, it, they're not cards that will help the soul raid, I think. Most of mm. most of them, at least, uh, like I didn't play any of the cards from Arena Mortis except from Visions of Glory, which is quite great, but uh, mm-hmm. it's the only one I played. And I think it's going to like always focus on one fighter and like the weapons that already get glory to get mm-hmm. rolling. So this is something that won't help the weapons that I like, like the underdogs uh, of the sure. of the meta. Yeah. So yeah. I'll be interested to see what they've what they've learned from that first. I don't, you know, with the lead times, it's always hard to say whether they had a chance to make adjustments and all that sort of thing. But, you know, the uh, uh, they with that first set, it, I, we said it before. It's very challenging to uh, write a card that will be balanced for two different play types that are quite different from each other, uh, and so to to want to try to make it so that it works in both, they've made themselves a very difficult. Uh, task um and and you could see it because the in the first set the cards were either uh very rarely taken in competitive play or restricted there was there was not very much middle ground yeah yeah so i mean remains to be seen the cards we've seen so far don't look too outlandish but we've only seen like four cards so uh we'll We'll wait, I guess, to pass judgment. But for now, uh, definitely a, a surprise and pretty interesting. I, I would say they seem outlandish, but maybe not broken. Well, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Give your opponent a glory when you roll crits for defense. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So then on to our next section. We got some community shout outs. I've, I've been very busy with work. I've been pretty out of the loop so i haven't been checking stuff out although i've got a backlog of things i'd like to um davy ruol any uh any community topics that you'd like to let people know about well for one we we've kind of alluded to this a couple episodes ago you started out with uh a reddit thread and uh uh then have now ported it over to your own blog uh that was a reddit thread that was super in-depth on soul raid i found that very interesting uh, sort of in the, uh, a little bit in the style of uh, No Gets No Glory, where you picked one particular warband to really focus on. And uh, uh, now with the blog, you've expanded out a little bit more. So I, this is kind of a good time to, uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about the blog and what got you started on that. Um, yeah, so I started with the Reddit thread because um, it wasn't much of, um, like it didn't mean I had to invest a lot in it. And I've seen a lot of um, really encouraging uh, feedback from people saying, wow, it's good, it's uh, really in-depth, it's interesting, and, and so on. And um, I had the idea with a, another friend, uh, uh, which also does some uh, Reddit threads around uh, Chosen uh, Axis, which is a white lab uh, for, do- uh, for doors in a, in a bear. And 
we had this idea of making a, a blog around underdogs and I've been playing uh, underdogs since I started uh, with um, Underworld so like Soul Raid is definitely not some, something that's going to be oppressive I think in the meta even in the in the future and so I, I started with the Soul Raid but um, I'm going to expand it um, I have some plans for Coven uh, articles when I'm done with the, the great the big part of Soul Raid because it's just so much um stuff to analyze and to uh, test and to think about that I mm. really I needed to have like two months to <laughs> to do something correct uh, around soul rate so I have some other stuff and I'll probably also some do some um, articles where um, I ask for uh, decks from people that play underdogs in the the, uh, the vassal uh, community and um, like break down the decks with them and see uh, what what their decisions were and why did they take a card rather than another one and stuff like this uh, and really focused on warbands that nobody plays because uh, I think mm. it's a shame that we've got so many warbands and some just don't see play because they are um, complex to make good work of but like they can do stuff at high level of play, like um, we've seen with uh, Herrick and his uh, Eyes, Eyes of the Nine deck, which was yeah, amazing. Definitely. So, uh, a couple other notables. I know uh, uh, Steve Undren. Uh, Steve is is he's brought uh, uh, Iron Jaws to the Nations Cup, um, and I know uh, there's a guy King Richard. I just uh, he's out of Melbourne. Uh, I get to play him, and I guess he's been he's been uh, running around with Iron Jaws as well. So those those are those are the heroes, the uh, unsung heroes out there. That uh, maybe maybe that can be part of it. Yeah, and um, it's uh, definitely like a, a warband that I love because uh, I started at first playing with uh, Underworlds Online because I I never heard of uh, Warband Underworlds before it was released, and my favorite warband on the on the game was uh, Iron Skulls. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I I've got the sympathy for people who play them. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not been kind lately, but uh, definitely would like to see more of them. Just just to have things changed up. So definitely a cool idea. Uh, looking forward to seeing that. Um, all right. Any any other shout outs before we move on to our hobby section? Um, I've seen some articles from uh said the tempo they were not really around the game but more on other topics and i like how we have really different topics that are uh, talked about by different uh, blogs like there was a comparison with uh, magic recently and mm-hmm. stuff like this and i really like um seeing um yeah different points of view on the game so well, you'll awesome. you'll be glad you don't know this yet, but uh, approximately, let me see, about uh, ten hours from now, a little nine and a half hours from now, we're we're dropping uh, our episode. This, we're recording with you a little in advance, but we have an uh, epo- episode. Uh, listeners will have just a previous one they'll have heard is uh, with Matt from Set the Tempo hopped on to talk with us. So for everyone who's hearing this, that's in the past for you. Uh, that's that's coming up in in uh, about twelve hours for you. <laughs> so. <laughs> So, on to our what the hacks is going on with you topic. Uh, Davey, have you gotten any hobby time in? 
A little bit. I have, uh, I'm working on my, uh, I've talked about it in the last one because we've recorded that relatively recently. Uh, the uh, Eyes of the Nine, got some conversions going for them. Um, and uh, kind of planning out the the next thing. Um, the other the other thing is uh, I've got a, a blog I'm starting up on the side here, and that's, uh, we can mention it here. It's, it'll be uh, called Hexodus, and it is a uh, march through Every warband in the game, uh, I'm going to try and play every warband in the game uh, until I can score a win with them or uh, until I've played 10 games, whichever one takes longer. So uh, some of those some of those might be a long grind for me. We'll see. But uh, <laughs> uh, those, will, those will be up and around. Um, and that's been kind of the focus, getting that set up and going and, and doing that. Also got out to our uh, local in-person game night and had a great time. Appropriately for this episode, we had three players all playing Soul Raid out of the the so half the wow half the people were playing Soul Raid. I, I switched on to or I tried to switch on to something else initially, but we ended up uh, had forgotten a couple cards from my Steel Hearts. So uh, and then we astutely we had it all set up so that all three of the Soul Raid was on one one side of the table. So, <laughs> nice. So we're we're united in our in our efforts. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was it. Um, Ruwal, what about you? What have you uh, been up to um, lately? I've not been up to much because uh, I was um, on vacation. But I've been trying to play Sun Red uh, the most, uh, as much as I can, and um, I'm planning to buy them again to paint them a second time because I really love <laughs> painting them the first time. Wow! So, yeah, <laughs> I, I might do it, but. Not not sure yet, um, and I've, I've got lo- loads of uh, minis to paint uh, still from Diacism, so yeah, that sure. kind of stuff. All right, yeah. cool. Well, that that gets us to our main topic, and I I think you've probably heard already that uh, we've got the right guy here, somebody who maybe wants to buy the same warband twice. <laughs> uh, just got a, a true love. For Elthane Soul Raid. So we're going to break things down similar to how we did with the Osiarg uh, Bone Reapers. Um, we're just going to run down just very quick to get you the core mechanics and the fighters just so you know what all's going on with these. And then we're going to do a bit of a deck review. We've got we've got a deck to talk through sort of the, the ins and outs, why, why some cards versus others, and the overall play styles. Uh, so to kick things off, we got some general core mechanics that the warband uses uh rule would you like to sort of jump in here first with one of the main mechanics that the warband uses um yeah sure uh so my favorite mechanic i think is probably the flood tide um like the ability to move again when when we the fighters have one move token um, on the elves only, and that's for uh, the uninspired side. So that's really a mechanic that is uh, helping you to um, make the weapon more flexible in what you can do in rounds one and three. Like you could set up really far away and then charge in the last activation of the uh, of the round, or you could um, move once just to get out of the way and then charge on someone else. And that kind of stuff is really helpful, I think, to help them survive because they're not really <laughs> survivable if you get hit. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's really cool. 
Yeah. And and then I think we've seen with I mean, the only other time we've really seen this is with Molog and just having that flexibility in your action uh, economy, I think, was always really good with him. And then here you've got three fighters that can all do it. So um, adds a lot of flexibility, lots of ways to sort of mess with your opponent because, <laughs> you know, mobility is king in this game, um, whether it's through pushes or just having extra moves. Uh, so being able to, you know, take advantage of your opponent's lack of being able to keep up with all your extra positioning is probably going to be one of the main differentiators for this warband. David, do you want to take us through another one of their core mechanics? Uh, sure. We can do uh, their inspiration mechanic. And as they all inspire in the, in the second battle round, um, technically we've seen some similar thing with the, uh, the coven. They inspire in the third round uh, if they don't manage yeah, to do it there with their alternate. Um, interesting also that that is an elven inspire i don't know what the uh what the through line is if that was just uh, coincidental or not um and then you kind of have to say it with there is a uh, ebb tide where they all uninspire in the third battle round and i think the only ones we've seen that uninspire uh necessarily are the uh uh the crimson court uh, yeah. where they can they can bloodthirst and so they'll they'll break out of their their inspiration although it's kind of like go from inspired to alternate inspired so um definitely yeah yeah so some interesting stuff um probably the only warband where you're not playing towards a mechanic for inspiration it's just you're waiting for it to happen so um that's always an interesting balancing act uh although i guess we can kind of cover that as we talk through the fighters uh so let's, let's start with Elethane. Um, and so, Ruel, you just want to give us a quick rundown of the leader here and then maybe touch a bit on the Inspire and just say like how important it is for Elethane? So, yeah. Um, Elethane is quite high crit. It's got three hammers, uh, two damage with a range one attack. Uh, and it's got another attack, which is range three, two swords, one damage. Um, it's got more four one shield and four wounds. And then when he inspires, he loses the, the flip tide ability, uh, like I said, but he gains one move and he's got cleaving and snare uh, on his range one attack, which makes him very deadly. Like he's extremely accurate, uh, especially with the older people playing uh, God on objectives mm -hmm. uh, these mm. days. It's just murdering them. And that, that feels quite good. <laughs> so would you say, so obviously he becomes like almost impossible to miss except for crits uh when he's inspired do you feel like it's it's an important part of his fighter that you just sort of bank on that turn to make him earn his keep or or is it just a nice extra that you get for a turn i think you really don't want to have him uh, in the thick of things too soon because if he dies in the first round um you've probably like Maybe you've hit the first attack, but it's going really to make a difference in the second round when people start to uh, maybe have a dominant uh, defender or stuff like this and start mm -hmm. to have guard uh, or more defense because they inspired. And then you have Ilthane that just comes in and kills someone because just they can't defend against them. It's just, they just mm. need crits. And if right. they don't get crits, they, they're dead. So I think it's really something that's 
quite um, essential to him because um, you really don't want him to die too soon, and especially with the ability he has to like bring Tamil back. Mm. Yeah. Well, since you brought that up, I think it makes sense to talk about Tamil uh, sort of alongside Elthane because, like you say, he's got an ability um, where when he gets a kill with uh, either of his weapons, he can bring an out-of-action Tamil back to the board. Um, it is a uh, after-reaction, right? React afterwards. It's true. Uh, it's true. So it could I, be, I have on occasion found it blocked out, um, which is which is very disappointing when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, it could be blocked. I think and I don't you, know. That you, can, you could also block yourself from uh, scuttling. Um, yeah. If you decided to, like, if you needed to scuttle to score something, but you also wanted to uh, bring back Tamil, you could have like this clash. Mm. It can be quite quite sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that is that is an interesting point. That that Dune Claw is going to get in the way a little bit there. I had even uh, played a version where I had uh, duelist speed on him because I had planned to use him oh. a lot and, and discovered that I was like, oh, no, like there's all these different <laughs> things I want to do. Like I want the crab to scuttle and I want to bring back Tamil and I want to be stepping. And I realized I'd really crowded that reaction window um, kind of uh, too much. So. Hmm. so an interesting thing to have to consider there. Um, so in terms of like how Tamil is as a fighter and like why you'd want to bring him back, um, I'd say he he's generally got a poor defense. Uh, he's one dodge uh, to start, um, but uh, he inspires to two dodge. So if you if you're using him in the second round, he's definitely more reliable to survive. Um, but since you know you can bring him back, that's probably not the biggest problem. Um, he's got reach two and reach three for his attacks which is nice so you got you got a plenty of uh options there um he's fairly accurate with both attacks uh, his harpoon is two smash for two damage um at range two and if he throws it it's three fury for one damage um but it has the normal thing that you have with harpoons where when you charge you get plus one damage um and nice with him is that you don't lose the harpoon. You can you can do that more than once. So, um, a nice nice way to get some extra damage on range three. Um, and then the the only other thing that I think is worth pointing out with Tamil is that he has Riptide, which is a really great ability. Where when he does drive back, uh, you can push the target one hex instead, which obviously has tons of uses to be able to reposition fighters after you attack them. Um, whether you hit or not. So, I mean, he is definitely going to be a fairly flexible piece. Um, is Has that been your general sense, Davey and uh, Rubble? Um, uh, yeah, that, that's the general sense I have from uh, my games. Um, it, I think it's quite hard to bring Tamil back. Um, it's mostly like people won't, like, won't, won't want to kill uh, Tamil before they kill Elfane. So it can be really a pain because, like, oh yeah, if I kill him, just um, let's say we'll, we'll charge, kill someone, and then uh, he'll bring Samuel back, and I have to start over all over again. So uh, I want to focus all my uh, resources into killing Ilothane. But if you like protect Ilothane, it can be quite hard to kill him. Um, so yeah, Tamil has really super cool attacks. 
the charge uh, with the free swords um, on the range three attack is just great, uh, especially because you have lots of uh, supports in the in the warband. Yeah. And yep. uh, and the riptide is just key because uh, there's like I said, there's uh, a lot a lot of people are playing around God and uh, not being driven back and stuff like this, and sitting on objectives, and then you just push them out of the objective uh, <laughs> maybe even yeah. into uh, a lethal uh, hex and maybe you even place this lethal hex so they can like, they can't uh, use restless price to just get back onto the objective or stuff like this or just for the extra damage to kill someone um, mm. I think it's really flexible it's really good and uh, the fact that it can come back is just like the cherry on the top but it's icing on the cake it's really yeah. Yeah, it's really good. I I think even the uh, even setting guard aside, uh, because often with a ranged attack, you're you are setting up for some extra damage from the lethals. Uh, because it can be a push, you can pull them closer or some such, uh, and so it gives you a lot more options on the final position of where you make your attack from, um, and still be able to uh, leverage the lethal to your to your advantage. Uh, so that's that's been pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah, that that kind yeah. of positioning is super great. And uh, there's also all the like the positioning, scoring stuff that you can do with the push. Like you, okay, uh, we're we're tied, but I'm going to draw, uh, to push you uh, next to two of my fighters, and then it's called impending doom and mm. stuff like this. So yeah, pushing is great. Yeah, absolutely. Always. We love pushes here. <laughs> <laughs> pushes are always king. Uh, all that positioning, super important. Uh, so, so I guess we kind of mentioned it already, um, but when we were talking about Ilfane, so let's talk about Duneclaw next. Uh, so he's got this scuttle reaction. Davey, how about you run us down? Uh, so Duneclaw starts with two block right out of the gate, which is very good, second only to uh, Glissette as far as uh, starting defensive characteristics. Uh, three health, which bumps him up past some of the other two block guys, like uh, what uh, Stalag Squig, I guess. Yeah. Uh, three. I mean, three health is almost. I, I don't know if I was surprised. I, I, I do feel like every time I'm playing with him, I'm like, oh yeah, he's, he just feels like he's got one more health than I would have expected. Uh, and then the scuttle is a uh, after a friendly fighter uh, activates, he gets a reaction and can uh, push one hex closer to him. Uh, and I bring that up bef before I bring up his, his, uh, attack action because, uh, the attack action is a little, little rough, uh, two fury, two damage. I think he goes to three fury and cleave on the inspired side. That is correct. Yeah. Um, which is that, that's actually, you can do some work there. Um, but, uh, when it's not on that, not on that insp inspired turn, it's a little rough, but what, what he's great for is getting extra fighters into a position for some of the, the many things that you uh, might want to do, like getting supports or uh, getting a third fighter that is not maybe you're not as worried about that uh, crab getting one shot as some of your others because two block is pretty unattractive to attack. So if you have one fighter plus the fish plus the crab in territory, then there's a number of things you can score with three in enemy territory. So lots of, lots of cool tricks, kind of a little tech piece and not really a, an attack piece necessarily because uh, also has the beast rule. So can't take attack upgrades uh, and cannot hold uh, objectives. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think uh, that that not being able to hold objectives really starts to add up once you then factor in that spine fin also can't hold objectives unless I'm mistaken by that. But I'm pretty sure he can't. Uh, his two huge walls of text. Sometimes uh, <laughs> I forget everything that's in there. Uh, but but definitely, I think the sort of linchpin to this warband uh Ruwal, do you want to run through the mechanics on Spinefin? So, yeah, Spinefin is like the weirdest fighter we ever had. And I think that makes the weapon like the coolest we ever had. Um, so Spinefin can, uh, you can decide not to uh, set him up in the setup uh, phase of the of the game. So mm -hmm. you can be uh, either a four fighter or five fighter weapon. So that's uh, really good to... Um, get the initial crit uh, for the first round initiative, which I think is quite important uh, for that weapon particularly. Um, he cannot um, hold objectives. He cannot uh, be given any kind of upgrades. He cannot um, make any actions. No move, no guard, no attack, nothing. Um, and he cannot be taken out of action because uh, when it would be, you just remove it from the battlefield with all the um, persisting cards on it, persisting gambits, and all the wound counters, and you remove it from the battlefield. Um, and then you've got the reaction, which is uh, the only way to move him. Uh, so after your uh, enemy, um, the enemy's uh, power step, you can uh, place a shawl counter on any um, MTX on the battlefield. And then your opponent has one activation and two power steps basically to uh, counter this. So they could move on the counter, for example. And then uh, after the second power step, you could place the fish if the hex is still empty. Um, so what's good with it is that um, it can bring uh, support, of, of course. It can be used to play some uh, really good uh, gambits like poisons or uh, center of detention or um, hypnotic buzz and stuff like this. It can be used to score cards. It can be used for many, many, many uses. Uh, and is, yeah, I think the only reason why this weapon is not is because of Spine Fin. <laughs> I think I think you're uh, you're probably onto something there uh, in that they they absolutely need Spinefin to sort of make everything go. Uh, without him, suddenly it's just a few sort of squishy elves and a crab, um, <laughs> which is probably not where you'd like to be most of the time. But so we will definitely talk some more about those different Spinefin tactics as we get into the deck. But we have one more fighter to talk about, um, and I guess her base stats. So this is. Furan, uh, her base stats are actually probably the some of the best in the warband, but that's pretty much all she brings to the table. So like the other elves, she's speed four. She starts with two dodge, three health. Um, her attack is only reach one. Uh, she's got three fury for two damage, so that's pretty good. Um, and then with flood tide, she's going to be able to get around to where you need her to go. Um, and when she inspires, she's then three smash for two damage instead and goes to two block instead of two dodge. So then becomes extremely tough to hit, um, although still with three wounds. 
Um, so while she does have really good stats, I feel like she's she's sort of like your extra. Like you use her, she's not bad, but she doesn't have all the tricks. Um, so she's just sort of the the hammer you bring down on people. I think uh, has that been your guys' experience as well? Uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. Like she she's good, but you kind of don't want to use her because uh, Tamil and Ilfane are just so much better than her um, and more flexible. But yeah, I think she's like the good uh, fighter to have when either one of Tamil or Elathane go down. Um, I'll also use her quite a lot to uh, deny stuff like dominant position uh, or mm-hmm. uncontested, mm-hmm. Um, for example. And yeah, she she's quite hard to kill generally, but I don't really trust uh, defense because all my roles are hard for attack. <laughs> I, I can't roll anything in defense. Like when she's on dodge, I roll blocks, and when she's on blocks, I roll dodges. So <laughs> doesn't help. I I will say I don't think I've ever had her survive a game because I you know usually Elethane's sitting in the safest spot and. Uh, if we were, or uh, uh, Tamil might have died and then been brought back, or you know, usually, usually not. But I'm trying to find ways to use him, and uh, she ends up getting placed in like I'm like, well, two dodge, that's that's pretty good. And then somebody will look at the board <laughs> and be like, well, I don't want to swing at Dune Claw. I guess I'm going to go swing at her. And so this last game, I I was like, I think I think she might survive. I think like she's looks like she's in pretty good spot, and, like pretty safe, and she got rebounded to death. Oh so. no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, rebound. Uh, I'll get you. Yeah, but uh, um, yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. I, on on paper, looks good. For some reason, I, I don't ever uh, get her to to make it all the way through the game. But to your to your point, uh, she likes those supports that the warband can hand out and all that. So, yeah. and then uh, you talk about uh, denying dominant position or at least making it more difficult. Uh, I also like, especially with the uh, flood tide mechanic. Uh, can step onto uh, or you know be a trigger for doing doing cloud to step onto, but uh, move into a spot to make um, swift capture more difficult. Usually, there's one objective that they're pretty clearly going to try for, and you can move onto it and then still be available for a charge later if you need or a, or a move. Uh, so that's kind of a, a nifty thing. Definitely. So that's all the fighters. Uh, any any last thoughts that we didn't get in before? Before we move on to the deck. Uh, not from me. Um, not from me. Okay. So we've got this deck here. Uh, we'll just run down. We'll start with objectives since that's usually kind of the place to get a feel for how a deck is going to play. Um, and we can just sort of work through those um, in whatever order you'd like to do them. Um, so uh, I guess maybe before we jump into specific cards, do you want to just give a quick idea of like what what play style you're trying to achieve, and then we can talk about a uh, first card that you'd like to talk through. Um, so yeah, the play style I'm trying to achieve is rather control, uh, but it can be flexed into like really turtle defensive control against uh, aggro warbands that are quite kind of slow, like uh, Morgok or stuff like this. And I can go into something much more aggressive against um, squishy warbands that just ask to be killed by ill thing <laughs> nice and uh i'll say we're going to be focusing on your deck um uh, 
the deck I've played is is fairly similar to uh, to Craig's deck from uh, the Glory Seekers, um, which is I guess something we could have mentioned in that. But they they've got a breakdown of uh, the deck he took to a small tournament there, uh, or I, I guess I should say I don't know if a small took to a tournament there, um, and that deck style is much more uh, purely aggressive, getting into enemy territory um, quickly and doing things there and scoring off of. Uh, the ease with which you can get into enemy territory with large numbers of your warband, um, and so that'll be kind of like a a small counterpoint that we'll we'll follow up at times, um, and we'll talk about uh, our thoughts on those those choices as well. But back to yours. Um, often we like to start with the surges, but you can you can take it off wherever you want to. Um, I think I'll start with Krem because I think it's one of those cards like. You kind of think when you're playing less than five of six fighters, maybe you don't really want to play with it. But um, the fact you have low tide, the fact you have the fish, the fact you have the crab uh, with kettle makes cramp so easy to score in the, I, I say first and second round, because in the third round, you might not have uh, enough fighters alive on the board <laughs> on either yeah. side to score it. Yeah. But, um, I don't think I ever had Scrum uh, Brick in around 30 games. Um, mm. it, it's a really good starting point. When I have Scrum in my starting hand, I'm just like, okay, this is going to go really good. Because <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just free, free glory. Then you get some upgrades on and you can start to slaughter people. So yeah, I think it's just key to what I do with the deck. It's most mostly I mean, scored passively and just, I don't do anything. Just wait. Yeah. And score. You, I mean, it, it, it has to be uh pretty, pretty reliable, pretty uh, crucial for it to take one of your three restricted here. But I, I, I agree with the choice. Um, I did not uh, rotate it into the one I was using, but once I saw your deck, I was like, Oh, that's a really, that's a really good choice. And I think it plays well with a number of your other ones. So what yeah. else do you have? Um, here? Oh, go ahead. Phil. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, and like, I've always liked Scrum, even just for most warbands, because your opponent might just work into Scrum on accident. Um, like, they can, they can act, like, if you have two fighters next to each other and they move somebody in, and then you can just fly someone in and you didn't really have to think about it. Mm. So, I don't know. It's, and like, sometimes your opponent, if they're running it, you can score it too. So, I, I've always liked it as a positioning score because it's, there's almost nothing that anyone can do about it in the early parts of the game. And I think from looking through your other cards, one that I like that it pairs well with is Impending Doom. Yeah, that's quite of the, the magical pair. <laughs> you, <laughs> uh, you can sometimes call both at once. Um, I have I had it happen sometimes where like someone needed to get a charge. They could only charge on uh, Doom Claw. And then I played um, Blindside, brought something, some someone in, and like magically you can just uh, score everything in one at once because uh, <laughs> of nice. how they place themselves. So because uh, I like to place uh, Dunclaw and Spinefin one X from each other, and then someone else behind uh, Dunclaw. So if they charge from the the, right, the wrong position, I can uh, push someone, and then we have four fighters uh, with Tinklo, uh, the supporting fighter, the fish, and the attacking fighter. Mm. Definitely, I like I like all that 
have sort of quick positioning scoring. There's no dice involved, and most of the time you've got a good control over making that happen. Uh, and I think another one that sort of ties into that same idea is Unafraid. Um, although you only need to be two hexes away for Unafraid, so maybe that's even easier. I don't know. Um, recently, it's been quite hard to score uh, for me because I always like drew into it when I was in a bad uh, situation. Like I needed to be on an objective, but the objective was far away from enemies, so it was quite 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 hard. And um, I've been playing lastly only in the Nations Cup because I don't have time to play as much as I want. So, yeah, when your opponent knows you're going for oh, sure, it's yeah. quite hard yeah, yeah. To, to score um but mm, yeah right i score it yeah. fairly uh, is, easily with uh, like closed uh, deck um deck lists so mm. yeah that's an interesting point because i feel like that's that's one of those where if you were playing a best of three in a normal tournament you'd probably get the jump on someone turn one or the round one and they'd be like oh Oh, I see. Okay, I've got to watch out for that. And then they would try and stay two away from somebody for like the rest of the whole series for games two and three. Um, but knowing that up front, probably, I, I hadn't thought about that. That's probably going to take some wind out of those sails a little bit. And another thing I forgot to mention with uh, Unafraid is that you can score it when you're tabled because the fish just can move and move and move and move. And it's <laughs> practic- practically impossible to. Uh, block me from scoring and afraid when I've got the fish left. So yeah, it's basically won me games uh, against Bonlog uh, because he, he tabled me in round <laughs> two and I, I had the fish oh. and all my cards, like I had scored all of my cards except from uh, um, Promise of Destruction and Afraid yeah. and uh, Master Poisoner and I had some poisons in the deck so I just put some poisons on Monarch <laughs> and won the game like this. And I won from like two glory because Oof. I had an afraid. So Oh <laughs> I love it. Wow. Malag especially the uh like even if you're really in a jam, you can go stand next to Stalag Squig and Stalag Squig's not getting out of there. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's yeah. that's totally the the point. Yeah. That, yeah. That's what I've done in the last uh last round just standing next ah. to stacks quick and Molog was in the other side of the map uh, standing on an objective just waiting for the end of the game basically <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't think of an afraid and i won't like this nice. so I've, I've got one connection to make here then and uh this is uh of the two of us when this warband first came out phil made a deck and he included a, a you know a number of these cards uh including in i think you had impending doom um there is uh, uh, unseen menace or, or something where there was the, uh, the there there were some more positioning ones they had in there, but mm-hmm. uh, but I, I see impending doom scrum, and then I also see utter isolation in there. I wonder how often do you find yourself kind of working at cross purposes with those? Um, so yeah, it, it kind it kind of blocks itself some, some sometimes, but the the thing is um, with all the mobility I've got, um, I'm always. Up well, not always, but often able to like manage the position uh, of my fighters well enough. And then I've got pushes to uh, just push the enemies out of position because mm. you have like the, the flood tide and the scuttle. You could, for example, just move someone um, once or twice to push the crab um, 
with the, the pushes you do to just spread them across when you're uh, already called uh, impending zoom or scrum. Um, so you can, yeah, basically score it and then, oh, after uh, after an auto isolation, okay, cool. Uh, now I need to spread my fighters. So I can use the second move from my fighter who moved first to score scrum to like uh, push the crab one di direction and break the formation. Mm, sure. But it can be, yeah, it could be tricky, especially against uh, horde weapons where, uh, like, it's, it's going to be really hard to not have two fighter adjacent to each other. But I think the end phase cards are so bad for them that it's quite hard to find good end phase cards that are not uh, third end phase. And mm. I don't really like third end phase cards, so. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I think most people would agree with you there. Um, so you you'd mentioned when we were talking uh, about trying to work through some of these others that you have uh, Master Poisoner and um, the other one was uh, Promise of Destruction. So those kind of go hand in hand a little bit. Uh, how about you run us through both of them and sort of what the thought process of including those is? Because I don't think very many warbands actually run these. Yeah, yeah, Master Poisoner is something you can really play um, at its best potential with uh, the Soul Red because of Spinefin. Like, Spinefin can place poisons for free uh, with no danger at all for you. So you can just move around, put some poison left and, uh, and right, and uh, you score Master Poisoner every game because it's just so easy to do. There's nothing your mm -hmm. opponent can do except from like moving on the, the token each turn. But what what is it going to achieve for him? Like nothing. Yeah, so, let me yeah. let me uh, detour for a second there. I, I before I actually played this warband, I kind of envisioned that happening a lot more that you get blocked, and so I would really sweat putting the token down, thinking like, oh, they're I got to pick a spot that's going to be useful, but they're not going to move on to, it. and nobody ever really seems to move on to it. I, I think the cost of that activation is too high. Have you have you found the same? Um, yeah, basically, the I've had some I've had it happen sometimes, but it was either me trying to make my opponent move uh, forwards for me to be able to make a charge with your thing, for example, or um, to like yeah go, go in range, um, and sometimes it happens, and it, it can be really a pain when you. Uh, base all your round about uh, around like scoring fast with uh, spine fin, uh, but generally they do it like once or twice in the first round, and then they just don't because uh, they realize it's not going to uh, bring them a long way. Um, mm. It happened in my last uh, Nations Cup game, and my opponent just walked on it twice in the first round, and it, it didn't score anything. I scored seven or, or eight glory you can't remember so it was just not not doing anything for him yeah yeah it's sort of an interesting control mechanic where it's like if you want to stop me you can but if you do so you've one spent an action making a move and then two you're probably out of position for your score um yeah and so it's this really weird thing and i and i actually think that the Blue horror kind of can end up in the same situation sometimes where your opponent's just like, I know he's there, but I've just kind of got to ignore him because if I go after the blue horror, I'm just wasting activations mm. and I 
personally love that. <laughs> so we know we've got Master Poisoner, and that's super easy. And I feel like uh, Promise of Destruction, be because the poisons are all uh, persisting gambits, that's probably got to be super simple uh, to have one still up for Promise of Destruction. Is that sort of the combo there? Yeah, it's totally the idea, because... Um... I've got two poisons that last until uh, the fighter is taken out of action and two that last until the end of the round. Plus, I've got another persisting gambit. And um, I'll run this. It's just so popular these days. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes I don't even have any and I just keep my hand because I know um, I'm going to score Promise of Destruction because my opponent will just do something that's caused it to me, for me. So it just, uh, <laughs> like, it's free glory. Uh, it's the aim of the one glory cards I've got, uh, I want to be able to score every single bit because, um, as I said, and face cards for them, uh, especially two glory them ones, are just super hard to find uh, and to score uh, re reliably. So I really want to have some one glory cards that I can score every game and with almost any f uh, starting hand. So Solid. I think... I think, as you said, since you're leaning into control, that's that's a solid choice if you think you can deny their scoring. Um, and from the looks of it, with all this pushes and poisons, that's probably going to work out for you. Um, so I think then, I mean, I don't know if you've got a next place you'd like to go. Um, it looks like you've got kind of a set package of like some more movement-related stuff. Um, or, or again, some fairly simple end phase stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, f first I think I'd like to talk about the persisting gambits and mostly about the poisons. Um, Lit Bone Dust uh, is the one I use the most, I think. Uh, gives uh, a move token to an, a f an enemy fighter adjacent to a friendly fighter, so you just place Pine Fin somewhere next to uh, Molog or someone that wants to charge you. And then you say, no, you're not playing this round. <laughs> right. And then, uh, yeah, I, I used it against uh, Crack Marrow. I used it against Grundan. I used it against Molog. Um, and it can just end a round for someone. It's just so powerful. Um, it's unbelievable. And it also works to deny absolute stillness, for example, if you know that your opponent is trying to mm. score this. Yeah. So, yeah. Definitely good. Uh, then we've got um, Rock Snake Toxin, which is uh, one of the two that lasts until the end, uh, well, until the end of the game if the fighter doesn't die. Um, it's a ping damage. Uh, I think the Warbun needs damage to be able to kill bigger stuff. And so this one is like going to stay for long so it caused me promise of destruction very easily even if i played in the first round i can score promise of destruction in the third round if i didn't kill the fighter that has this mm. um then i've got spine to toxin which is quite control as well because uh, for example like i said it but more log move twice take two damage um <laughs> and it lasts until the fighter dies so same idea and then you've got Spine Fin Toxin, which is, I think, the best card in the deck. Ooh, like, all right. I, th I think it's really, like, the best card in the deck from really far. It's So one damage to an enemy fighter sitting next to uh, Spine Fin. They cannot be on guard. They cannot hold objectives. 
and then can, they cannot use uh, range three plus attack actions. Um, I'd never, I, I'll never say enough that this card is just busted. It's just so powerful. Um, <laughs> like you play into Fendrix, you play this on Fendrix yeah. is non-existent, Oof. and he cannot score. Uh, well, it's going to be harder for him to score stuff like uh, dominant position or absolute stillness and stuff like this. Um, it's always one damage one damage for free basically because it's so easy to have spine fin next to someone you want to kill that it's never going to feel like you're not playing it right or it, mm. it's never wasted and um, like the cannot be on guard is an extra uh, can be useful to push the enemy fighters that are mm -hmm. on guard from the objectives for example if you even if you miss the attack and it also helps um, like fighters like uh, Furon that cannot um, that doesn't have cleave and snare to make kills. Um, mm. And the uh, holding objective part, yeah, as I said, is just very very strong against. Um, there's a lot of flex, a lot of old objectives, and with all the other control uh, I have in my deck, it makes me uh, able to like control how many glory my opponent will score. So I think it's yeah the the best card in the deck. It's so flexible. Uh, uh, I love it. Yeah, I I believe it. Uh, the it's a card that if the only thing it did was the ping damage, I think you'd still be looking at it. But it does so much more than that that uh, that it, it becomes great. Uh, now we've gone through all the poisons. What's the most number of poisons you put on a single fighter? Have you ever put all of these on one one guy or? Oh uh, yeah, on Molog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's gotta feel rough. Yeah, and like my opponent needed to move uh, a first time, and he already had the spine to attack in, so he took one damage, and he took the proxenate toxin, and he needed to charge me, and he took one damage, and then I played spine fin toxin, and I killed him with the proxenate toxin in the end of the round. So <laughs> that felt quite rude. <laughs> and like nice. I. I I attacked him like once, maybe. Uh, uh, I think I, yeah, wow. I attacked him once yeah. and he died from because my opponent didn't uh, draw into his healing cards, so it was sure. pretty far, but he didn't uh, draw um, first res resistance. But mm. still, <laughs> that felt really good to play for yeah. all four and on in. So, yeah, I, I mean, I like we, we talk about uh, using it for the extra damage uh, on things, but it feels like even against something like. Um, Thorns of the Briar Queen, where they might have a, a particular uh, uh, chain rasp that's going to hide at the back and maybe try to get a cryptic companion on um, something something like that, where where you can uh, put on you know chip chip off some damage of some of these or uh, or some such, and uh, be it uh, I think Rock Snake is the one. Yeah, that's, a, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. So you can set that. Uh, and you're like, okay, well that that chain rasp will die. You know, it'll take a turn or two, but it'll help me at the, you know, with the third end phase and all that sort of thing. It's because yeah, sometimes I, I, they, they end up with, you know, uh, extra defense cards and you're like, well, I, I don't even need a swing. Uh, it's just a, it's a guaranteed thing. Yeah, that's definitely something that happened to me um, on a particularly hard to kill and Greenscaven, which uh, just died from Roxic Nuxin, who was sitting <laughs> on, his, on his objective, but he died not, nonetheless. So I didn't even have to do anything about it. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, that 
so we run through those. Um, I think one one thing that you had mentioned earlier that we were talking about is using blindside. So it helps you to score some of that positioning stuff, but you do have a couple other positioning uh, uh, objectives as well. So you've got like speed of the flood tides. You're trying to move fighters in enemy territory, which I have to imagine spine fin helps with that a lot. Um, and then surging tide to move a fighter twice. So um, I like that combination of stuff and then having abilities to like, you know, push fighters outside of actions with blindside and things like that. It's got to be pretty annoying sometimes when you're already like, maybe you've got spine fin already in support and then all of a sudden you fly somebody else in there to get some more support. Yeah, I, I use this uh, quite a lot uh, to get like extra support or even like push someone like Furan, for example, that wasn't in range for an attack and then my opponent just attacks, I don't know, the crab or Tamil. And then in the next round is sitting next to maybe Tamil and then the fish plus Furan that will have three hammers or three swords with the support. And the attack is going to get through because it's quite accurate. Uh, even mm. more if I have like my accuracy um, upgrades on and mm -hmm. I can maybe have maybe multiple attacks on that fighter so it's really useful for this um, I think it's really good as well to protect um, Furan and Samir when they are inspired and even Dunko uh, to some extent um, because I had him survive thanks to Blindsight um, and another thing I like is like for example if my, fight, my, my enemy is attacking someone um, I can maybe push spine fin next to him and then use the spine fin toxin or um, mm, stuff like yeah. this to like kill the the fighter after they they charge me if they have one wound left, for example. Mm. Oh right, so it can kind of accelerate the the uh, spine fin toxin a little bit. Uh, that makes sense. And so I imagine this is the same. You know, we talked about distraction, hypnotic buzz, center of attention. They're doing some of the same things there. Um, yeah, and def definitely the fish helps a lot with interrogative attention and um, mm, hypnotic sure. buzz. So yeah. yeah, I'm using it a lot to just uh, distract a fighter. Maybe you can scratch. They sent the, the king's cave in the back. Okay, I'll send the fish. I'll push him away. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I really, I mean, I hadn't even thought about that, but like normally I look at hypnotic buzz and I'm like, ah, if it just didn't have that range restriction, this would be amazing. Um, but since spine fin can be anywhere, that range restriction doesn't really matter. So uh, really like that. We basically have an extra distraction because of spine fin. I think that's, I mean, that's most everything from objectives and gambits. I do like Cloud of Midnight just generally as a card. Um, how have you found it working for you in your deck? For people who don't know, we've oh, been great sure. about describing this, but Cloud <laughs> of Midnight um, might not be familiar with that. You want to explain yeah. it and then, and then uh, talk yeah. about it? Uh, so Cloud of Midnight is a card that lets you choose a friendly fighter. And until the end of the next activation, it cannot be chosen by gambits. They cannot be dealt damage by gambits. They cannot be pushed, and they can be attacked during the uh, power step or the um, the activation that comes after. So uh, I've been using it for two different purposes. Uh, so the first one is mainly to protect someone that I don't want to die, uh, obviously. Uh, it can be um, either Tamil, that if I want to score um, Surging Tide, and maybe even speed of the flood tide at the same time, bringing the crab 
forward um, on the Trainstream project ML in the first round because it's got one dodge. So it can be um, quite helpful to this for this. And then uh, the other one I've used is um, against um, Warbands that uh, play around uncontested. Um, just to move mm -hmm. around on an objective and then I'll play Cloud of Midnight on her and good luck to push him to push her from the objective in the last power step of the of the round. So yeah, it's been quite useful. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Um that extra piece of not being able to be pushed is pretty big. Uh I mean, I think I think you're probably something people are gonna forget about and then you can really take advantage of that. So um there's not a lot of effects like that, so I really, really enjoy having that flexibility. Um, just, just making yourself immune to distractions, and I, I have to imagine that that can sometimes be the like the difference between being able to score impending doom or not too. If, you, if your opponent knows you're trying to do it, and then you're like, "Well, I got the one set up, you can't do anything about it." Uh, that's got to help too. So, really like that card. Um, I guess we can just say that the the other only only power card we haven't talked about is Outrun Death. Um, just some extra move uh, turns you into a quarry. Although it doesn't look like you have anything that requires you to be a quarry, but um, but extra juice in this because it's for the full round. So you yeah. if you're uh, in the first or third round, you can maybe double dip on the plus two move, which is nice. Definitely, um, and score yeah. in, uh, promise of destruction with it too, and guided momentum. That's uh, one of the oh, reasons yeah. as well, because um, yeah. guided momentum can be quite tricky in the f first round, especially because in the third I've got some uh, upgrade backup, but mm. I, I sometimes even score it in the first round with the, the surges because the surges are so easy to score that I just call to uh, if I yeah. draw them in the right order, of course. Mm -hmm. But it happened quite uh, often to me to just call them because the deck just scores. Prince Glory like this, so <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, I mean, and that's one of those weird ones. The gathered momentum didn't get hit in the last restricted round, but I, I'm I'm a fan of it. I like gathered momentum. Yeah, you can keep it unrestricted if they want. Yeah, I, I like. I mean, it's a different <laughs> topic altogether. But I, I like that uh, the charge aspect of it requires uh, interaction, basically. Yeah. Yep. Uh, before we move on, have you at all used uh, Beast Trail? I've I've put that in. Uh, mostly because the three elves are all hunters and because of flood tide they get to you can beast trail in and then charge off at something else in the first and third round um seems like a, a fun trick to do them have you experimented with it or it's just not it's been too restrictive as far as where you deploy um i didn't even consider the card uh oh. because this the deck is just so tight in terms of cards i mean it can be good but I don't think they need it. Like, they are just mm. so quick. They can just go from one point of the board to the other. Mm -hmm. uh, they, all it takes is two, well, one activation. Uh, and then the second one, they, like, move to where you want them to be. But I don't really think they need Beast Trail. And um, I think it's too restrictive because you need to set up in a particular way. And I don't want my deck to tell me where to place myself. Mm -hmm. um, I want to be f as flexible as possible. And this trail is not going to allow that. Uh, it can be mm -hmm. useful in the some matchups, like for example, if you're playing against um, 
last pages uh, covered um, Crimson Court that will be straight out there, fighter um, on the other end of the map and the in the last round. But yeah, I don't think the card is that useful. Uh, I can get to the Warden or Crack Marrow uh, if I want. Um, sure. It, it will take some time, but I, I think Outrun this is just enough to do it. Because, like, Tamil gets to um, about 12 move and 3 range, so it's, well, at least uh, 2 range, so that's 14 X's you can mm-hmm. reach. It just is <laughs> nonsense, so that's pretty, I don't pretty think crazy. you need it. Sure, yeah. I mean, that, that maybe is one that feels a little better when you're playing more into aggro with them, um, but I feel... Personally, I haven't played them a ton, so to everybody take this with a huge grain of salt. But I feel like if you play them aggro, you're really balancing on a knife's edge because while they can hit decently hard, they also have kind of a glass jaw. If they take damage, they're probably dead. So uh, I feel like if you're not being defensive to some degree and you're just playing fast aggro, like you're, you're probably asking to get punched in those aggro aggro matchups sure all right well so we've got uh got some upgrades here what what sorts of things are you looking to do with your upgrades to make your fighters better um so first of all i'm trying to get more damage because um they suck uh, i kill big, <laughs> big stuff they really suck at it uh, so same idea as with um, the pings I have. I need to be able to kill stuff. So I've got uh, great strength, of course, glory seeker, and I've got feral symbiote because um, of the restriction on um, the sting of the air grip that I was yeah. running before. Uh, feral symbiote is really not the best because of the the fact you're going to activate a lot your fighters. So uh, it sometimes <laughs> makes me easier to kill. Uh, so that's not the great, the best, the best card I could have taken. Uh, it mm. also doesn't work on Tamil at all because it's uh, range one only. Mm-hmm. But I don't value uh, Enter of Souls that much because um, when I played it, instead of uh, Sting in the beginning, I never used it. Like. I was always looking for third damage or a fourth damage, but I couldn't get it because I needed to have the ping or the push to push my enemy into the lethal, but I didn't have it. And so I needed to have a combination of cards or two attacks. But if I had two attacks, then I didn't need it at all because I'm doing two damage with all my fighters anyway. So yeah, uh, until Souls looks great on the paper. In practice, it's quite hard to to make good work of, I think. Yeah. Did you consider uh, Savage Strength? I know you, you could probably use that on either Elethane or Tamale. I know Tamale Inspired does have two defense, but... Um, I considered it, but um, I don't really like to have to be uh, restricted in who I can give it to. Because uh, if I want to give it to the crab because he's in a good spot to get a kill uh, in sure. the second round, he's got cleave, uh, freeze fury, and maybe he's got a support because of uh, spine fin. Probably he has. Uh, if I give it to the crab, he's going to die 
because it's got one block and I don't really like this. Um, I've used Feral Symbiote on the crab sometimes because I need a damage. Um, so yeah, Savage Strength, I don't think it's that good because of the fact you can play only on two fighters and even one of them loses something in the second round. Even if I don't think it's really something you're worried about because Tamil, well, is going to die. I mean, <laughs> it is. <laughs> Sure. So we know we're trying to cover up their lack of uh, damage, which makes sense. They never get higher than two uh, in any part of the game. Um, what other sorts of stuff are you trying to add? You got some bonus accuracy, it looks like. And uh, what what are you trying to do with those? Uh, so, yeah, I've got the Unstable Fury, which helps me scoring uh, Branching Fate. It's mm -hmm. also a reroll, so it's quite quite good um i've got onto talisman which is the plus one dice on any range which is great on tamil it's great on any of them in fact um yeah and i've got driven by envy which is situational accuracy uh, gives plus one dice and cleave to a fighter and it, i really didn't think that part of the card would help me but in fact it did and um, i just take it for the plus one move for uh, guided momentum mainly but the other part is also good uh, won me some games against Thendrick because uh, suddenly I had uh, Tamil able to uh, move 10 in the first round and to attack with three hammers, cleave and the support on Thendrick and uh, he had four damage because of uh, uh, three damage of, because of Glory Seeker and I could push uh, Thendrick into a lethal and win and it was mm. okay Goodbye. Yeah, and that's and that's game it, over it, for. It's, yeah, it's good night. Yeah. First round kill on on Thendrix is just uh, it's, it's just brutal. So yeah. yeah, I I will say the same. I think I've I've had driven by envy in a couple decks recently and been surprised by how useful it turned out to be. Uh, at, at first, I thought it was too situational, but I I do find those leaders they end up in the mix and then. The plus one dice and cleave, you can almost think of it. There was the card uh, uh, Prized Vendetta early yeah. on, where you yeah. pick somebody and get rerolls against them. It's kind of similar to that, or you're getting big accuracy boosts against just a single fighter with your upgrade, but it persists. Uh, and in this case, you have a little extra move in exchange for having to pick the leader, basically. So once I started thinking about it in those terms, I'm like, oh, this makes more sense why this is uh, better than I was rating it at first. Definitely. So then I think um, I'd, I'd like to talk about uh, Visions of Glory. I think it kind of fits in t for a lot of reasons, but uh, how about you tell us why you included it? So uh, I was quite on the edge, uh, on the fence uh, at first with the Vision of Glory adding because I wasn't sure I could have enough glory to use it. And mm. it turned out that my searches ran really good, so I could get my glory on and use vision of glory um it has just so many uses um for example when you have uh, ilthane being a beast in the second round you just uh charge one fighter and then you can uh, charge another fighter and yeah, make it basically make two kills or even three if you add someone next to you uh from the round one and then you just attack him kill him charge someone kill him charge someone else kill him and then you've got, you've just won the game because you had vision, vision of glory on um it's also useful to score um all of my positioning cards 
because uh, I can just play it into round two and make a charge, uh, use Visions of Glory. And then I can make another charge that's called uh, Surging Tide. I can use uh, it to move somewhere to get um, the, um, the Scrum scoring or Impending Doom or Auto Isolation. Um, I can use it to deny uncontested or dominant position. Um, it's really brilliant uh, because you can do so many things with it. Um, and as my deck wants to prevent my opponents from, from scoring as much as possible, um, it's, I think, one of those cards that can do it either by letting me killing more people or making me score more or making my opponent score less. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, obviously, uh, any card that gives you effectively an extra action uh, is is a really big deal. Um, so it makes sense. Uh, that's definitely all the things that I would have considered for using Visions of Glory, although I don't think that I actually had included it when I built my deck. I did not. Um, so do like it. Uh, I can definitely see where having the ability to move three times with one fighter could be pretty crazy yeah um and you'd have to have kind of you know nerves of steel but uh you could get uh an extra extra charging harpoon throw <laughs> off of that <laughs> yeah <laughs> if, you're, yeah. if you're willing to risk that but uh but it, you know you charge backwards with him throw it use the push to give you by yourself some room and then charge again later and throw it again uh yeah there's there's something there I think I've used it on all the fighters, even Dunclaw. Well, that's not oh. the kind of, of game when you you want to be playing it on Dunclaw. Yeah, games maybe to... not going so great if uh, if you're using a yeah. Dunclaw. Yeah, but I mean, I needed it to score uh, at the isolation and um, and afraid, so I was like, okay, I'm just doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's just get out of here. Yeah. All right. Well, we've only got a couple cards left, so I think I think it's fairly uh, easy to sort of group these last ones. Um, they're all extra survivability stuff. So you got uh, Born from Agony to give some extra wounds, um, Sanguine Pearl to reduce damage, and Silent Helm to make you that much harder to hit. Born from Agony is mostly used on uh, Ilthane, unless my opponent struggles to get to uh, four damage. Uh, can happen in some matchups. Not not much these days, but you never know. <laughs> so sometimes Tamil is is getting it. Um, the extra cool thing about it is that you ignore lethal exists, so you can just charge for them, uh, mm. or just sit next to a lethal lethal hex or stand on one of them, which is quite uh, nice in terms of positioning. You can score uh, scram impending doom because you're standing on an object uh, on a lethal hex. Uh, yeah. which you wouldn't have wanted to if you had another... Well, if you didn't have uh, this extra bit of ignoring lethal exes. And then, yeah, uh, it really does the... open the board up a lot. Like, you, there, you know, you think about some of the boards we've talked about, the Amber Trap Nest, and that starts with two lethals, and there's probably another one in there. It gets really hairy in there. Uh, in, and uh, this, is a, this is a really big deal. Like like we were talking about with the, the advantages of... Uh, Riptide on the the harpoon giving you much more positioning options is the same thing. Like you said, I, I it was really it's really been liberating when I've when I've used it. I've been surprised at how uh, 
helpful it is. Yeah, um, I totally uh, agree on that. Like, uh, I was a bit on the fence on using it because, I mean, they are going to die. So I was like, oh, do I have plus one wounds? Is it really that useful? I think it is. And um, the deck, I, I took only one because I um, don't want to be in a spot where I give plus two wounds to Elthane because uh, it can go wrong. <laughs> Uh, hmm. giving two glory for, to your opponent if he dies is not something you want to do when you have hmm. so few uh, well, s- such low glory sailing as I do hmm. so yeah, Sanguine Pearl is doing the the extra bit of giving like one hit I can take and Silent Hemp uh, helped me I think twice <laughs> uh, I-, I like it because it makes, me- it makes your opponent thinking of attacking Furan a bit less in the second round. Because <laughs> mm, she's sure. not really attractive with two shields and silent helm. Mm. Um, it, it also won me a game. So I think it's quite <laughs> good enough to be taken. Um, but yeah, it's quite quite uh, straightforward. It's just I don't want to die too soon. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's especially leveraged well by fighters that have uh, two defense and... You have two of those. Two of your fighters have two defense all the time. Uh, one of them has it in the second round, and you know it's. Uh, I, I think it's particularly useful for that. So uh, yeah, it, it's also quite good on um, one block fighters. So it can be used on. Uh, it's not as good as on Dunclo, as uh, of course, but it's practically the same as plus one dice. In fact, so it's not not that bad. Yeah. Think we have hit all the cards. Is there anything else generally about the deck or the play style or the warband in general that you wanted to talk about? Um, there's two things. Uh, so for the play style and the general uh, way I play them, I like to have uh, the most open board I can have. I don't mm. want to have any block Xs or lethal Xs. Uh, because of my two, uh, three, oh well, my three uh, fighters that have three wounds, uh, I don't want my opponent to use these lethal axes to kill them or to kill Elathane, which is even worse than killing the other ones. <laughs> so I really want to have, like, at most one lethal axe on my side of the board if my opponent is attacking mm-hmm. me. And I don't want to have any blocked axes because, uh, well, I could move around them because I've got two moves and stuff like this but um, it really impairs the ability of Tamel to be a pain in the ass um, with the, the range attack and uh, yeah I just want to have something that is the, the cleanest as possible to be able to set up the way I want to be able to protect my fighters and uh, have them clustered together in order to be able to score scrum from a single move for example um, and then the other thing is uh, like spine fin uh, MVP. It's just so good. Uh, <laughs> that that guy can I... score you glory by it, it's it, it itself in this deck. Um, it can yeah. like score at isolation, promise uh, promise of destruction, unafraid, master of uh, poisoner, uh, like all by himself, and even sometimes cram if your opponent is nice enough to help you uh, <laughs> it can also help you score impending doom and uh, speed of the flood tide so 
yeah, basically, I'm doing uh, currently. I'm doing some stats about how much Spine Fin scores me every game, and it's quite close to four point uh, five glory uh, per game. That is just scored by him, or even more uh, sometimes because of the supports and stuff like this. Like sure. if I had because I had only supports uh, with the the charge from time out, I was like. Oh, thank you, Fishy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember early on have feeling, you know, like looking at this warp and thinking that I think that key to unlocking these guys feels like spine fin. I think there's it's uh there's a lot of learning curve there, but if you if you find the way to leverage spine fin well, I think that's that's where you really take this warband to the next level. Uh before we wrap it up, I'd uh I mentioned before, and you know, the, the flow took is a different way, but the, um, uh, if you're looking for a, a substantially different play style, there is, uh, like we said, the glory seekers have, um, a list that Craig used. Uh, I kind of adapted that, tried that more aggressive one out since I, I knew you had something, um, that was more positioning oriented. And I, I tried some of that early on, uh, I, th- I think there is a little bit of a school of thought. Some folks who do go for that uh, get into enemy territory, um, find ways to get primacy, uh, even to the extent of using something like um, a claim to domination, which is at the end of the next activation, uh, warband with the most people in enemy territory will uh, will uh, pick up the uh, primacy counter. Uh, cards like that, uh, that then unlock uh, dominant, display which is everyone in enemy territory uh things like uh conquest where you know that's uh, although it's a third end phase you can guarantee you know the fish guarantees that uh, basically so um have you I, I i can tell the way you're you're talking about it you're you're uh you feel pretty strongly that there's a, a different way to go with that uh for folks who want to kind of uh, scan around, they can see another option there. Do you just want to comment a little bit on your thoughts on that style of play? The, uh, they get into where you double down with show of force along with, uh, speed of the flood tide. Is it surging tide? I can never remember which is which. Uh, it's pit of the yeah. flood tide. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about that, uh, general play style of, of, uh, uh, using them to get into enemy territory and score that way, the more aggressive. Um, I think the issues I've got with that play style is that, if my opponent wants to go in my territory um, and I want to go in theirs, it can be sometimes quite hard to score stuff because uh, if you're trying to be more aggressive, for example, um, it can be quite quite tricky. Um, mm. And uh, if you're playing against someone that wants to go into your board, they're likely to be able to hit hard and fast. And you might have... A lot of losses on the way, and then they just call uh, prime uh, doing display and uh, ball deeds for being into your territory and having killed uh, I don't know Tamel and Furan or Lathane or uh, no matter who, but they they'll like outscore you because um, they have more cards that score like this and they score more from killing. And it, sometimes you're going to win because you don't really much, uh, you don't really want to kill people. So, like you've scored your your passive glory, you're in enemy territory, and then they have to come to you, and then they can't score part of the, the their cards to mm-hmm. keep up with you. 
but sometimes it's going to be to go horribly wrong and you're going to just uh, lose because you wanted to go forward forwards and you're going to get massacred mm-hmm. so uh, that's the tricky bit I think um, and the fact you have to invest so much into um, cards to uh, get the primacy for example or to um, mm. be more survivable uh, removes a bit the part where you can have Libondest and control cards and so you're going to if, if you don't hit the hordes that are holding objectives you're not going to go f- really far away far away because mm. you're you don't score as much as kids never mm. even if you score all, all of your deck you're not going to outscore <laughs> them yeah so not winning the foot race yeah yeah so i, I think if I don't like relying too much on dice, especially defense dice. As I said, mm. um, I have some some dice linked card like Punching Fate, which I'm really considering to re- uh, replace with Orchestrated Kill. But um, I think I'm thinking of it because I didn't face Morgul Kalad, <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> sure. which is a yeah, big deal fair. to like get kills. So. I, yeah. I think that's a good uh, card to mention at, at, in passing. I think orchestrated kills right on the edge there, and maybe after rotation, it ends up uh, going in once Scrum has to be on its way or, or some such. So gather momentum, that sort of thing. You you may yeah. be forced into a, a kill a kill card. I'll definitely do some uh, article onto what I think will be my post rotation mm-hmm. deck. Um, I've oh, been yeah. working on it, so. Um, I'll, I'll make a breakdown of my deck as well on my, on my website which, with like more detail on um, stats about how much I score the cards um, from the Nations Cup. Um, Great. So I'm like taking lo- lots of logs of the games to just see what I can do best, uh, well, what I can do better and what, what I did great uh, because sure. some, some things were good. So, um, And yeah, the, the I think it's it's really feeling like you're always learning things with the soul red, so that's quite like what I like with the game, the the deck, because uh, it did change a bit, but it's dude with the um, control bit, and it, it works quite well uh, for now, at least for me. I I can agree with that. I feel like uh, I'm still at the stage with them where I. I play and I realize like, oh, I've forgotten this reaction or that one or, you know, or I didn't quite map out the sequence of events I need or I forgot to move the, the fish counter. There's a lot to keep track of. So um, to that extent, I think they're a tough warband for a beginner. I think they're a tough warband to play against as a beginner. Um, I've tried explaining exactly how Spinefin worked to um, one of our locals, Alex, and I didn't do a very good job and it led us to some moments where you know, he was like, okay, well, I'm, I'll score, uh, the, uh, you know, I, for killing him with this spell. I was like, well, no, actually, like the, he, he didn't go out of action. He is kind of out of, like, he's, he's never out of action. You know, I was like, ah, oh, gosh. Looks yeah. like he's out of action, yeah. but he's, just trust <laughs> yeah. me, he's not. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that's just, uh, something to keep in mind. But yeah, all this, all this, as much as we've talked this deck, um, as, as we've talked this warband here, uh, one more plug for your blog, which we'll have in the show notes. Um, I was reading through yesterday and today, uh, you have, oh, is it, uh, a post, 
uh, I don't know, there, there's, there's like a post for each fighter. One of them, you know, one uh, totally dedicated to spine fin. There's one that's, uh, uh, Fuirin and all the different things you can do with flood tide. There's a lot of great reading. If you're somebody who's at all interested in this war band, and even if you're not, I, I, this is a sort of deep dive into something that I really, uh, I really enjoy, um, uh, about this game. So, uh, if, if this has got your appetite whetted, you should, uh, go take a look for the, the even deeper dive into it with, uh, with your blog there. Yeah. All right. Uh, are we, we good to close it out? I think so. Okay. Well, it's been great talking about these elves and all of the tricks that they can get going with their fish friends. Uh, if you'd like to talk to us more about this episode or anything else about uh, on Warhammer Underworlds, you can reach us at WTHCast on Twitter or WhatTheHexCast at gmail.com. Um, as always, we would like to thank the Mortal Realms Network, uh, this larger group of podcasts that we're a part of. If you'd like to check out any more of those uh, other shows, you can go over to themortalrealms.com. That is also where you'll be able to find Davey's Hexodus uh, uh, blog that he is now working on. Uh, That's up now, right? Uh, The intro is up, and by the time this releases, there'll be the uh, first warband will be up as well. All right. So you got some some new uh, different format content from us to look forward to there. Coming up next, I'm not sure we know what's coming up next. <laughs> I think right now we're working on the scheduling for a crossover uh, with the the story phase to talk uh, uh, talk up the uh, the background of uh, of Underworlds up through Dire Chasm and then the uh, the Dire Chasm um, short story anthology. Uh, just kind of little change up in between seasons that that uh, may or may not, depending on the arrival of uh, Arena Mortis two, um, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, but uh, yeah. that's that's likely what you're seeing next from us. Yep. And we get some interesting times here with the slight release lulls. Um, mm. All right. And then some recommended listening. So I, I picked out ebb and flow by the dead tongues for this episode. And Davey, you, you've got something here too. Yeah. I would have to include this because I definitely got this song stuck in everybody's head uh, <laughs> at the game night or every time I play soul, right. I think of a uh, soul man, which, uh, most people know from uh, the Blues Brothers. Uh, I think it was originally a, a maybe a 1967-ish song, Sam and Dave. Uh, but uh, that's every every time I do anything with them, I'm I'm secretly singing this <laughs> in my head. So now you know. Nice. And now now so the rest of our league is too. <laughs> Very good, solid. All right. Well, for what the heck's I've been Phil. I've been Davey. And I've been Rival. <laughs> oh, <Valid. yeah>. all, <laughs> right. all right oh that was great okay do you, do you know do you know which one of these uh uh under 30 you want to grab or are you just gonna let the i'll do i'll do crab memes i think right. crab memes is okay. <laughs> pretty solid <laughs> kind of yeah, forgot how nice. uh how crazy it got for a yeah. while there uh, but that'll be a good callback okay sounds good